morning as we welcome you back to our service. I hope the Lord has blessed your heart as we've gone through this sermon series dealing with our time, our treasure, our talent, and our temple, and being a good manager of that. In family of grace, if there's any way that we can help you in just achieving everything that God has desired for you to be, it would be a great joy and an honor. If you have your Bible this morning, if you'll take it and turn with us to the book of Psalms, chapter 42, I think the Lord has a great word today. Hope it'll bless your heart. In order to be a good steward, you must have a proper focus. And what is that proper focus? Without a proper focus, one only roams around aimlessly. And what I mean by that is this, that you can have all the tools to be successful in each every in every area of your life. But if you don't have a desire, if you don't have a drive, something from within, then it doesn't matter what tools are in your box. I know this guy one time who actually prided himself on all the leadership training seminars. I would call him a leadership junkie. If there was a leadership conference, he was attending it. Um, he had subscribed to countless leadership thoughts of the day. Would post them on his Facebook quite regularly. However, after working hand in hand with that, I was like, where is all the knowledge? Where, where is it? If it's not being applied, then it's really useless information. And so how do we take the tools and use them? There must be a clear purpose. The only way you'll ever be good at anything is to have passion, to have desire, to have a hunger in your heart, something that's driving you, something that you long for. The psalmist said, as the deer panteth for the water's brook, <clears throat> so my soul longeth for you, O Lord. That word in the Hebrew, if you look up that word panteth, it's very interesting because it actually means to painfully seek after. To painfully seek after as the deer painfully seeks after the brook from the water. So my soul painfully seeks after you, O oh God. You know how it is to be thirsty on a hot day and to be seeking a cool drink. Seeking that. Our Savior knew what it was like to have painful thirst. Matter of fact, he said on the cross of Calvary, I thirst. The one who created the rivers, the one who created the lakes and the springs and, and all of the, the flowing fountains, all of those things, the fountains of water, all of that said, I thirst. I painfully desire a drink. My question for us today is what do we painfully long after? I can tell you today as your pastor that January and February has not come and gone without leaving a mark on my life without leaving a mark on my spirit. 
I am so thankful that God has shaken things up in my life. If this last series was for nobody but me, that's good enough. I tell you that God is beginning to shake things up in every area of my life. In the area of talent, in the area of time, in the area of treasure, in the area of the temple. I am so thankful to you, O oh Father, that you love me enough to stir my heart. And I want you to know that as your pastor today, the one thing that I painfully seek after, the one thing that I long for, the one thing that I focus on, the one thing that I meditate upon is, God, how can I lead my life in a way that it will draw closer to you each day? God, that my relationship will have greater intimacy with you every day. Lord, that I may not forget, that I may not wander from you, or that I may not become backslidden, but that I may slide ahead in my faith, walking with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's three things the psalmist points out right here. Number one, the first thing is the desire. What, did he, what was he longing for the most? Well, he lays it out here very clearly. He gives us the visual picture in Psalms 42. As a deer longs for the water's brook, I long for you. I thirst for God. What is it that the psalmist was longing for? Now remember, this is the king. Remember, this is King David writing this. This is the, the, the heart of a king. And as he's writing this, he's saying, I thirst, I thirst, I thirst. I have an unquenchable desire inside of me. For what? For more land. For a greater throne. For a greater kingdom. No. He said God I long for you. Today many of us have a longing in our heart. We've been thirsting after some things in this world. It's been a new job. It's been more advancement in our home. In our status of life. We wanted this advancement in our own personal agenda. And we have these own desires that we're trying to move through. And these own paces that we're trying to keep. But I want you to understand something. That the one thing that we should long for more than anything is that relationship with God. The psalmist laid it out. He said, I don't long for a trinket, God. I don't long for a demigod. I don't long for a wooden God. I don't long for a God on a shelf. I don't long for a God of religion. I long for the living God. I thirst for for the living God. I thirst for the living God when I could come and appear before him. And he says, I long for God so much that my diet has become a diet of tears in the morning, tears in the daytime, and tears in the evening. He moves on in verse 4 and he says, I remember that as this, as I pour out my heart, how I used to walk with many leading the festive processions to the house of God. With joyful and thankful shouts, I remember what it was like. I remember what it was like when my relationship was so close to God. I'm afraid that when many people talk about their spiritual life today, they have to talk about it in a past tense form. I remember when I was a youth and we had a great youth leader. And man, our heart was on fire in our, in our youth group. And we were zealous for what God was doing. 
I remember what it was like when I was younger and my family was younger and we used to go to church all the time. I remember when I had a ministry. I remember when I did this. I remember when I did that. So many people talk about their spiritual intimacy with the Father in the past tense form. I want you to know today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that God is not wanting to have a past tense relationship with you. Your best days are not behind you. Every day with Jesus can be sweeter than the day before. Every day with him, you can love him more and more because it's Jesus that saves and keeps you. It's Jesus that makes you whole. It's Jesus that fills your every longing. It's Jesus that will keep you singing as you go. It's Jesus that is the sum of all equation. It's Jesus that is the morning star. It's Jesus that is the hope in the midst of despair. It's Jesus that can be the fount of living water that will rise up inside of you. It's not a new job. It's not a new vehicle. It's not a bigger home. It's not a better neighborhood. It's not advancement in social status. It's not the next great thing. I'll tell you what it is today, my friends. It's walking closer and closer every day to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, knowing that he who is above all is in all and through all for you. He loves you. He cares for you. And he desires you. Today, what do you long for? The psalmist said, the thing I long for the most is that intimacy with the living God. He says something else. What do I lean on the most? What do you mean, what do I lean on? When you're walking through those moments of despair, when you're walking through those moments of difficulty, when you're walking through those moments of celebration, when you're walking through those moments in your own life where nothing can go right, when you're living in those moments in your life where nothing can go wrong, what do you lean on? The psalmist was looking back on his life at a deep, dark moment. He was looking back on his life at a time where his relationship with God seemed further apart than it had in a long time. And he said, God, what I lean on the most is those days. Those days when my relationship with you was so close. When the king of Israel had a hunger in his heart, an unquenchable hunger, an unquenchable thirst. He didn't pull out his royalty card. He didn't pull out his royal scepter and begin to execute things into law to bring him satisfaction. He didn't remember the times when he was fighting Goliath and he, a little bitty lad, killed the greatest giant in the whole land with a little pebble. He didn't remember the time when he attacked the bear. He didn't remember the time when he was playing the harp for Saul. He didn't remember the time when he was instilled as the king. He didn't remember the time when all... Listen, let me tell you what he remembered. More than anything was not the victories, but the intimacy. 
when he was going back in his memory bank and drawing on things to give him strength, what he longed for more than any day was like that day whenever they went and picked up the Ark of the Covenant after God becoming angry with him and they couldn't move the Ark. And so they went back and did things God's way and they picked up the Ark and they took six spaces and as they took those steps according to the biblical mandate and fashion, the power, the presence, the anointing of God was on that place so much that David lost control of himself and he began to leap about the people of God in the spirit of God, dancing in the spirit of God, having what we call a holy nanny right there at that moment in the intimacy with God the Father. I'll tell you what David longed for. He longed for those days when the power of God, the anointing of God was so on his life that it surpassed the, the treasures of Israel. It surpassed the throne of Israel because he was connected with the intimacy of God. David said, I remember what it was like to be the leader. I remember what it was like to be the first one to get there and the last one to leave. If you're the first one to get to the house of God and the last one to leave the house of God, you're not crazy. You're hungering after the things of God. You are thirsting after the things of God. You want to wait on the Father. You're saying, Father, I'm waiting here for you with my hand stretched out open wide. God, I'm not longing for new knowledge. God, I'm not longing for more uh, wisdom. God, I am longing for you because God, if you are here, knowledge will be here. Wisdom will be here. Peace will be here. And it will all pass my understanding. What was he longing for? What was he leaning on? He was leaning on the memories of the intimacy with the Father. The intimacy with that living God. And then, what did he look to the most? He laid out a lot of things here in these verses. As we read them, we, he des describes he was depressed, discouraged, turmoil within him. But he said, God, I put my hope in you. I'll praise you when I'm distressed. I'll praise you when I'm depressed. And then in verse 6, he says, I'm deeply depressed. Therefore, I remember from the land of Jordan that you brought me from. The deep, to, the, the calls to the deep and the roar of the waterfalls and all your breakers and all your billows have swept over me. The Lord has sent me his faithful love. David was saying one thing I want you to understand. That I may feel like I'm a long ways from God, but God's not a long ways from me. He is that ever-present help in my time of need. When it seems like I'm all alone, when it seems like I'm in despair, when it seems like I'm depressed, I'll tell you what I long for, more intimacy. I'll tell you what I'm leaning on, the intimacy of the past, the memories of the past, but I'll tell you what I'm looking to. I am looking to those days when it just seems like God's power and God's present pours over me in waves of liquid love that is un that is uncomprehendable that my human intellect cannot grasp the capacity of it David was a man who had enemies he did not allow his enemies to steal his intimacy he said God I will not let go God I will not give up till you bless me I guess David was taking a little bit of uh, a little cue from his great, 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 no telling how many great grandfathers named Jacob 
when Jacob was wrestling with the Lord there that night, it says they wrestled all night long. They didn't, I'm telling you, they would not let him go. The angel of the Lord said, let me go. Jacob said, I won't let you go till you bless me. I'm not giving up. I'm not letting go. I'm holding on to your unchanging hand. I am grasping in the grip of grace what it is you have in store for me. And David, just a young lad, had probably heard about that story from his forefathers. And he came there and he said, Father, the same way that deer won't give up when he gets to a brook and that brook is dry. The pain from within drives that deer to propel itself to the next brook that is out of breath, that is out of air, and is breathing hard, and is breathing hard, and is breathing hard, and a pain is coming from within. David said, God, I want you to know that the thing I long for more than anything is to be with you, and I'll wait on you. I'll wait on you. But I won't be waiting in a corner. I'll be waiting, seeking you. I'll be searching for you. The psalmist continues there. The Lord swept over me. His song will be with me in the night. A prayer of my God of my life. Verse 9, I will say to my God, my rock. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I go in sorrow because of the enemy's oppression and the adversaries that taunt me? It's like they crush my bones while day, while all day long they say to me, where is your God? David said, God, everywhere I go, they're taunting me. They're mocking me. But I want you to know their mockery will not deter me. I'm going to tell you today that just because you're a born-again, blood-bought believer, it doesn't mean you'll never have problems. It doesn't mean you'll never have adversity. It never means you won't have to make hard decisions. No, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. If you are a blood-bought, born-again believer and child of God, you will have persecution. You will have hard decisions to make. You will have to hold to God's hand when it seems like He's not there. But I want you to know something. He is there. He is there. You don't base your relationship with God on how you feel. You base it on what you know. And David said this, God, I may feel like I'm a million miles away, but I know that you're the rock that I'm standing on. I know that you're the rock that I'm building my life upon. Lord, the enemies come against me. And David had some enemies that came against him. Lord, they try to crush my bones. They talk about me. They taunt me day and night. Man, you just read the book of Psalms. You, David got honest with God a lot. I mean, there was sometimes he prayed, Lord, just knock your teeth out. Lord, they're driving me crazy. But David knew what it was like David knew what it was like to base his life on fact and not feeling. God's not trying to get you in an emotional frenzy. Our sermon series that we just finished was not a working up of the flesh to try to get you to volunteer for more things at church. It wasn't to try to get you to gain new talents so you could... Do more for the kingdom. It wasn't to try to get you to give more money. What the sermon series was about is that every day at your temple may glorify God in every aspect of your life. 
But I'm just going to be honest with you. If you don't have a hunger coming from inside you, all you've done is gain tools that you'll never use. Knowledge that will never be applied. Because for you to be a good manager of a business, you got to love that business. you got to love what you do. you got to... To be a good manager of a business, you got to love the person you work for. If you don't love the person you work for, you're not going to give it your all. To be a good manager of your life, you have to love the one who enlisted you. You have to love the one who saved you. I don't care if you don't like your preacher. I don't care if you don't like your uh, the, uh, church. Love the one who enlisted you. Love the one who enlisted you. Love the one who enlisted you. Love the one who demonstrated, put on public display for all the world to see that while we were knuckle-headed, no good, dirty, rotten sinners, he died for us in public. While we were far off, while we were his enemy, he died for us. That's love. That's Today, what do you look to the most? Verse 11 says, Why is this turmoil within me? I put your hope in God, for I will still praise Him. You know what David said? God, if you never do one more thing for me, I'll still praise you. I'll still praise you. If you never do one more thing, if you never let me kill one more giant, if you never expand my kingdom anymore, God, I will still praise you. You don't have to go very far in the book of Psalms to find that David's joy began to return to him. Matter of fact, if you just flip your page over, you get over into chapter 45, and it talks about the royal wedding. Chapter 47 talks about our great king and our great God. Man, you begin to turn the pages. You begin to cry. hear the heart of David just walking through the Psalms chapter after chapter after chapter. And you get to the end and all David could do was praise him. The last several books of the Psalms is nothing but praise. Nothing but praise. Nothing but praise. Nothing but praise. How could David go from such a moment of despair to such a moment of praise? How could he... Praise in the moment of despair. Because what he longed for directed every aspect of his life. Think about this. What you long for the most, what you painfully seek after the way the deer seeks after the water's brook, it's what you lean on. It's what makes you happy. And it's what you look to at all stages in your life. In order to be a good steward, you must have a proper focus. Whatever you painfully seek after is what you'll look to and it's what you'll lean on. If you think it's your job, it's your business, it's what you started, it's your hobby, Whatever it is, if you will evaluate your life, you'll find out that that's what you constantly look to for happiness. 
That's what you look to to fulfill you. That's what you look to to make you complete. That's what you lean on when times get tough. As for David, boy, he was a guy who knew how to do nothing wrong. He was a guy who knew how to do nothing right. But he was a guy who had a heart for God. That wasn't said, that wasn't pronounced by the people in his kingdom. That wasn't pronounced by his children, that wasn't even pronounced by his spouse, but was pronounced by God himself. David said, God said, David is a man after my own heart. Can I ask you something today? What are you after? What are you after? What are you after in life? What do you long for the most in life? What do you chase? What do you painfully seek after? What a great series. But if you don't seek after the Lord, it's just been information. But I want you to know today that God loves you so much. He sent His Son into the world to die for you. heart. May you desire him more than anything. Maybe you're sitting there at home or watching us online and you're like, Pastor, I've had my desires out of balance for a long time. Right where you are today, you just begin to pray and say, Father, forgive me. I've sinned. I've missed the mark. I've desired after the wrong things. And the Lord will begin to work a miracle in your life that only the holy hand of God can work. He'll bring healing, joy, and completion in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsors that made this program possible. Bayou Shirts. At Bayou Shirts, we offer quick, friendly, quality service for all your t-shirt needs. Check us out today at BayouShirts.com for information on all the services we can provide. Tapping Ground Coffee Shop in downtown Alexandria. If you're looking for a great place to hang out or have a break and a wonderful cup of coffee, please stop by and see Jeff and thank him for his support of our ministry. Also this week, we're going to pray for...
Looking for childcare? Visit College Camp located in the heart of Pineville. It is a licensed aid facility that has been in existence since 2008. For more information, call 318-484-2762. At FCA, we're touching millions one heart at a time. Since 1954, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes has been putting the heart and soul in sports by challenging athletes and coaches to impact the world for Jesus Christ. As the largest sports ministry in the world, FCA now reaches over 2 million people annually on the professional, college, high school, junior high, and youth levels. Through this shared passion for athletics and faith, lives are changed one heart at a time. Learn more at fca.org.